TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by good friend and fellow Wellness Couch podcaster, Helen Marshall. Now, Helen is a certified primal health coach and founder of the grain-free food range, Primal Alternative. She hosts the Primal Alternative podcast on the Wellness Couch, which is the number one ranked health and wellness podcast station in Australia. Just a little self-gratuitous plug there. And uh, she faced a health crisis, which included chronic nausea, constipation, insomnia, physical pain, headaches, brain fog, depression, anxiety, phobias. She returned to a diet of plants and animals to reclaim her health. She ditched grains, sugars, seed oils, Embrace sunshine, sleep, nature, and connection, and saw lots of positive results from that. So she lives in 100 acres of wilderness in the, oh, I'm going to have to get you to help with this, Nulaka Peninsula in Albany, WA, with her husband, Mike, their children, Sam, Millie, cats, chickens, fish, and guinea pigs. How close was I on the pronunciation? Was I anywhere near it? Uh, completely way off, Brett. Oh. Sorry, it's Nullakai. Nullakai. Um, oh, there you go. I wasn't even close. Nullakai. Quite a lot of the Aussies say Nullaki. Nullaki, yes, mate. that's yeah, kind of what I was yeah. going for. Nullaki. A bit of the, bit of the Bogan Adelaide <laughs> accent coming in there. So, hey, uh, Helen, it's a pretty cool story. There was a whole laundry list of symptoms you were experiencing there. Tell us about how this health crisis happened. How old were you? How long did it, yeah, did it, did it come on suddenly or did it come on gradually? What happened there? Well, I have tried all my life to be really healthy and that's involved uh, following conventional wisdom around what it took to be healthy, which was the low-fat message of low-fat, high-carbohydrate with lots of exercise. And also in terms of lifestyle you needed to always be doing something, you know, like the devil makes work for idle hands was kind of like the, you know, Protestant work ethic that I grew up with in the northeast of England. If you're trying to work out where the hell my accent's from, then (laughs) that's where it's from. It's a bit of a weird one, Um, especially when I have to say words like paleo, that paleo show. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently I say it wrong. I didn't even know that for the first like four years of the podcast, but apparently I say it differently to everyone else, which I think is hilarious. You say in, like the English way, paleo. Do I? See, that's that's mm, my on Adelaide. We have this posh English accent in Adelaide, the free settlers that we are. So that makes sense. You're so posh. You're so posh. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you did a really good job, actually, of summarising my story. But um, just to give you a little bit more uh, insight into it, I guess. So from the age of 14, I remember seeing uh, a government advertisement, it was, of a frying pan with some cold lard in it, right, and somebody had written the word fat with their finger in it, and there's this big government campaign in the UK that the message basically was if you eat fat, you'll be fat and you'll die, right? So it's kind of of quite a scary message. So from that day, um, I quit all fat from my diet. So that meant swapping to low-fat milk, low-fat yogurt, margarines. Um, I wouldn't so much as eat an avocado because that's way too much fat content. Um, I've chopped down kilos and kilos of salad with no dressing on them because, you know, you wanted to avoid the fats as well. And I was exercising like a maniac. I really love um, aerobics, (laughs) showing my age a little bit. And I used to do up to 10 classes a week. And yeah, so I kind of lived this way for about 
about 25 years uh, and thought I was doing all the right things and then went on to have Sam and Millie, who you mentioned, my two amazing children. I love them to bits. And really I think that that pressure of, you know, creating another human, nurturing the other human in terms of, you know, you're a father yourself, Brett, you know, like it's just constant, like <laughs> up in the night, you know, there's no, there's no like nine to five with parents in his day. It's like 24 seven. Um, so I think really that was like my straw on the camel's back, if you like, in terms of what my system could cope with. And so it, it didn't happen suddenly that hideous uh, laundry list of health issues, my health crisis, it kind of developed over when I look back, I can say, oh yeah, when I was 19, I can see that, you know, I had really bad acne. I was taking lots of antibiotics, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can join up when you know what you know, you, you can, it, you know, hindsight is a great thing, isn't it? When you can look back and sort of pinpoint some stuff in your, um, in your life. But really in the midst of my health crisis, my biggest symptom was nausea. I just felt sick all the time. So I couldn't, couldn't go anywhere um, because I, I remember like um, coming back from a Maggie Dent, like getting three quarters of the way to a Maggie Dent event in Albany where I live and getting like 10 minutes away from there and I turn around, oh, I can't cope. I can't cope. Being in a room for two hours, you know, I don't feel great. You know, just like, what's that for a life? You know, like my world was just so small, but yet, you know, all of the things that I had just feeling tired feeling a bit sick, you know, all of these things seem to be quite normal. Um, and I just thought maybe this is just what it's like to be nearly 40 and to have a couple of kids. You know, I, I just, I couldn't see what I was doing wrong, to be honest, Brett. Oh, so it's a pretty. Nearly 40 young. I keep telling everyone that now that I'm nearly 40. You know, nearly 40 is young. It's still <laughs> early, right? So, but, <laughs> early. Helen, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what you, were, what you were hearing from people around you. Like, were you going to see any health practitioners at this stage and what were they saying to you? And, and what were the people around you saying when you were sharing this list of symptoms? Um, well, to be honest, I didn't tell that many people about it. Um, I don't know why. Maybe I was ashamed. Maybe I didn't want to admit that I wasn't feeling so great to the, you know, it's a bit of a, bit of a rough story to share, you know, and like two of the biggest symptoms I had were I had a real big phobia around flying. So I didn't fly anywhere for 10 years, even though I obviously traveled, you know, cause I'm from England, I've traveled the world. Um, and I got a really big phobia around my kids getting sick. So those are the sort of things that you don't really want to tell other people, you know, because I don't know, fear of judgment or whatever. But I went to my doctor and just said, look, you know, what's wrong with me? And I had many blood tests, whole body scans. And she's a great doctor, really, you know, got a lot of time for her and she's got a lot of time for me. But her diagnosis was like, there's nothing wrong with you. You might have irritable bowel syndrome, but there isn't any drug for that. So here's a um, script for some, um, uh, not a script, a referral to go and see a psychologist because you're probably just depressed. So that was the... Yeah, which is such a common story. You know, I, I speak to so many people uh, in and around my practice who've been put on uh, depressants or antidepressants, I should say, uh, for exactly that reason, that they just they can't seem to figure out what's going on. And it's, it's quite scary, I guess, when you think mm. about it, that the amount of people who are in this situation and, and some of them may well be related to these kind of lifestyle issues that we're talking about. So, you know, for you, Helen, did you find that it was... Um, I guess, was there a degree of shame there around it? You know, for a lot of people, they seem to think, well, you know, I, my health, you know, I should be looking after my own health. And if I was doing all the right things and eating all the right things, then 
I should be healthy. And often there's a sense of frustration that goes with that when you're doing, like you said, what the government guidelines have told you to do and you're not getting the results. You know, was, an, was there an element of that? Like, did you feel like a bit of a failure sometimes as a result of these symptoms you were getting? To be honest, I never made the link. I never made the link between what I was eating and how I was feeling. Like that's that's why it was like so miraculous. And in like one of my, you know, dark nights of the soul, when I was sitting on the couch talking to my awesome hubby Mike, I was telling him like all the horrible thoughts I was having and, you know, it was a real lot of negative, just this, I don't know, like it was my, my um, it must have just been that the good brain connection was just so... Like everything, my gut was in such dysbiosis that all, it was really affecting my thoughts. And I was trying to, you know, trying to slap some affirmations on things, you know, like trying to say, no, life's good. And I, I get healthier every day, but it just wasn't, it was like just sticking a bandaid on like a massive <laughs> cut on your leg. It just didn't work, didn't work, didn't work. So in, I had this like sort of um, thunderbolt moment where I said, right, I want to go and see a naturopath, but... I know they're so expensive and we couldn't afford it. We were just a you know, young, young family on one income. And I said, anyway, you know, this naturopath's just going to tell me to go gluten-free. And I was like, oh, okay, gluten-free, right? Well, I could do that myself. So I just went out, bread, and I was like, right, this is easy. Just bought gluten-free bread, gluten-free pasta, gluten-free cookies, gluten-free everything, pizzas, everything, right? But I was quite surprised to find gluten in my low-fat ice cream, like what – it's everywhere. Like they put gluten everywhere because yeah, yeah. it's addictive and, you know, it keeps us wanting to buy more of their products. But to be honest, I felt hugely disappointed because these products tasted like cardboard. I haven't found a good gluten-free bread on the market yet that you think, oh, this is yum. This is yeah. so delicious. Um, and then when I put on Facebook, I'm going gluten-free because that's what you do, right, to hold yourself accountable yeah. to all your friends. One of my friends suggested paleo. And I'd never heard of paleo. So we're talking like, you know, 2014. So it kind of hadn't made its way into my little wilderness. Not very well. Far out. I haven't even heard of it. <laughs> Gee, I haven't even heard of it. <laughs> not, even, not even Pete. Um, no. No, not, no, not Pete. Not even Mark Sisson. There you go. Not even wow. Mark. But don't worry, I was only, only a few few clicks away from this amazing rabbit hole of this life that we live now. But, um, but yeah, so, so when I Googled it and I was obviously grain free, not just gluten free. So that meant no rice as well and no corn and all that kind of thing. And ditching the seed oils, ditching the sugar, ditching the grog, ditching the legumes. And I just thought, look, I'm in such a hole that it can't, I can't feel any worse than this. So I'll, what I'll do is I'll just do a six week reset, right? And then I'll just go back to my Helga's bread and my, pasta and my yeah. old brown <laughs> but I felt so good after just such a short space of time like seriously Brett like after about five days like the first I'm not joking like the first few days were awful it was this horrible detox like I didn't realize what it was I was like oh, I feel worse than before like what's these headaches and I feel more sick than before but then five days later it literally was like a veil lifting and all of the colors of the trees were better and the music was better. Like, wow. And, oh, you know, my children, I just love them so much. You know, all these, just this deeper connection to everything, just having this sense that everything was working out as it should do, you know, just that feeling of going from being completely overwhelmed at just, oh my God, how am I going to do this load of laundry today to then having this whole new like world of, wow, the world's amazing. 
life's full of possibilities. It was really night and day for me. That's so cool. So I kind of feel jealous when I hear stories like that because I think, you know, I, I think I made my changes so slowly over such a long period of time that I never really had the like, aha, you know, skies you didn't up, have the up, crisis, down kind of moment. So I, I missed out mm. there, which is a bit of a shame. But hey, um, let's go back a step. Let's go back to the gluten-free. So when you went gluten-free and before you started going paleo, aside from the food tasting crap, what did you notice in that period? Mm, well, nothing really, not like no major, um, oh, when, you know, when I went gluten-free, like I literally went gluten-free, like went into town. It was on um, Good Friday on in t- uh, 2014 because that's a really good day to go gluten-free, like with all the Easter eggs and hot cross oh. buns around, but that was the day I was going to do it. And so I'm not turning it back because I'm very much a type A, both in kind of girl. So I went and got the, the um, uh, gluten-free bread and literally tried it and I was like I can't eat this this is so depressing I feel so depressed and then literally that's when I found out about paleo so then I was like right well I'm doing this now so it's not I like never really had much free for a few weeks in a few no, months. You, it no. was like you did gluten-free for a day went this sucks I better find something else exactly <laughs> and how good does paleo food taste like seriously like we you know like we've been you know, we we were doing we were eating healthy food. Everything was cooked from scratch, but it was a lot of pasta, a lot of rice, a lot of bread, a lot of cereal, and when enough fat. And when you go to cook, you know, real local grass fed meat with some spray free vegetables, some organic butter on, some Himalayan sea salt, taste sensation. It tastes so much better than all of that, you know, carbohydrate. Yeah, it definitely tastes better than all that stuff, but. Sometimes for some people when they first start out though, they find that it doesn't taste that good when they go paleo because you know their taste buds are very attuned to artificial flavors and wheat and sugar and you know things that can be quite addictive to our body and to our brain. And so for a lot of people they go to paleo, you know, they're eating all these vegetables particularly and they're sort of like, Yeah, this doesn't taste so great. That wasn't the case with you. You just love the taste straight away. Oh, yeah, love the taste straight away. And I think if you're, you know, I, I, there was one thing like my coffees, I had to really retrain myself to like coffee because I was buying a coffee, but really it was a sugar bomb. I wasn't yeah. drinking, it wasn't the coffee I was liking. It was, you know, the, the lactose and the sugar in my skinny um, flat white with one sugar. <laughs> there was not much coffee in there. So I had to retrain my taste buds around that. But I guess, you know, we were eating a lot of veggies before. So just having them you know, seasonal, spray-free and in heaps of butter was a good step in the right direction. Yeah, they were yummy for us. We loved it. Yeah, cool. So you kind of already had that taste for some of those more savoury flavours and stuff. Because like I said, you know, as someone who regularly does paleo now, you know, I love all of those different flavours. And, you know, I, I often, but I, I can remember early on when I started going paleo and I my cravings changed, you know, and I can remember actually like craving, you know, spinach or broccolini, you know, and <laughs> yeah. this is really weird. Like I would, you know, five, ten years prior to that, there's no way I would have ever craved greens, you know, but but it really does shift and change. But maybe for you because you'd already been having lots of those fruits and vegetables, that wasn't quite such a thing. No, it wasn't huge. And when I go away, like we've um, just come back from Melbourne from hanging out with you guys at the Wellness Summit, which was awesome, by the way. Um, but when I come back from events like that, I'm just like, salad. I just want salad, just bowls and bowls, a fresh, you know, crunchy salad, as opposed to, you know, like, yeah, back in the day, it was craving Tim Tams or wine. I used to crave, crave wine, not just fancy a glass of wine, just like, I really need a glass of wine. 
Yeah. And it's just all good flora, isn't it? It's really, it's amazing how it affects your cravings. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about what paleo is to you then, because, you know, everyone kind of has their own different version of paleo and, and different, you know, ratios of macronutrients and different, you know, foods that they prefer to eat. And you know, so what does a day in the life of look like for Helen Marshall? You know, what are you, what are your go-to foods? Mm, that's a great question. Well, you know, I'm the primal girl as opposed to a paleo girl. Um, so for me, with with primal, it's really a case of finding out what works best for me. And that changes. Like that changes with the seasons. That changes with my menstrual cycle. You know, there'll be weeks when I fancy more carbohydrates than I do um, than I do than I don't. Um, but for me, I've I've tried lots of different things, and I do. I, I've been developed um, a lot of intuition around well my life now that I can I've got this deeper sense of connection but also around what I eat so I really have um, more of a sense of what do I feel like today um, but for me what I found personally is that super low carb doesn't work for me I thought that um, that it would and uh, it doesn't work for me I really do need to have just a little bit of carbs not loads and loads of carbs but just a little bit in my life just in the shape of like maybe a couple of times a week we'll have some sweet potato with what we're eating um, I don't worry about shying away from starchy vegetables like pumpkin or beetroot or carrot. You know, that's the sort of like carb, um, the sort of carbs I'm talking about. But um, for example, a day in the life for me today, uh, I had a couple of uh, cups of kale and silver beet from the garden uh, sorted in the thermomix with some grass-fed butter with a fried egg from our chooks on top and some um, lovely clean um, bacon and half an avocado which was pretty yum, and a cashew milk decaf coffee that I made myself. And then lunch, has got I've got some leftover quiche with the um, quirky cooking pastry, which is incredible. Um, so that's a, you can make a quiche on a Monday and you fed yourself for the whole week, you know what I mean? I'm really into that kind of um, cook once, eat several times because you don't want to spend too much time in the kitchen, otherwise it can get pretty overwhelming, I find, especially when you've got four hungry people to feed. And then um, tonight, it's Friday night, so it's pizza night. We have um, our primal alternative pizzas every Friday, and we've got a bit of a range now of different pizzas that we've got. Um, so the kids like the traditional one, and I like the low-carb, um, fat and seedy pizzas. So that's already done. I made the pizzas last weekend. Thank you very much, Helen of the past. Yeah. So uh, we'll just pop some toppings on that and some cheese into the oven and we'll all watch that in front of better homes and gardens tonight (laughs) (laughs) that's the kind of family we are that sounds very domesticated doesn't it better homes and gardens that's fantastic so yeah so you prepare your pizzas in advance you prepare the like the base is prepared in advance you're not talking about toppings and everything that that's done fresh is that right Yes, so yeah. just the bases. So I thought for a second just get them out frozen. A, whole lot a week ago, I was like, "Fire out! How's that work?" Oh no, you might not fancy whatever you put on last week. You might want something different this week. So now we just put, we put fresh toppings on, and the kids get to make their own. You know, they think they're really contributing with putting on their tomato sauce and some cheese and popping it into the oven, and it's fun. Like they like to get involved in that too, and it it feels like a night off cooking. You know, it's really cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we love doing that as well. It is good fun to get the kids to pick out their own toppings and just, you know, just learn about different foods and try different things. And I haven't quite got them to try the anchovies yet. I can't get Steph or the kids to think. Oh, oh I, love I love anchovies. anchovies. You can't have a you either like anchovies seriously. No. Nah. 
that. Well, my favourite pizza topping is is like uh, I remember ordering this one ages ago when I, Mike and I first started dating, and we ordered a pizza from Domino's like back in the day, back in the day, right, <laughs> a long time ago, yeah. and um, we ordered a vegetarian pizza with anchovies on, and that is my ideal pizza, just like heaps of veggies, and then that little salty hit of the anchovies, oh. Heaven. You say anchovies different to me too. There you go. And uh, this this is like the this is the argument that goes on in our house about pizzas. Is I think that pizzas have to have anchovies on them, and Steph and the kids think that pizza has to have pineapple on them, which is clearly wrong. These are you know these are the arguments we have in our household about you know trying to figure out. But you know we haven't actually done the prime alternative pizza bases yet, so. We've done that. You've ever sort of bit of a nutty one that we do, and um, but I'm going to have to give them a go. It's, it's well overdue. I'll get some sense here. Absolutely, you need to try them. See, I wasn't even looking for them then, but I'm totally going to take it. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um, Considering so, them, <laughs> so let's talk a bit about how uh, you know how Primal Alternative ended up coming about. Obviously, you were you know getting into this sort of primal lifestyle and wanting to make more and more stuff for your family. Um, how did that evolve into something more than that? Well, um, I'm an ex-gym uh, instructor and personal trainer and um, fitness instructor. So um, the only reason I got out of the leisure industry was just simply crap pay and crap hours and went into a corporate job because it was more um, Monday to Friday, nine to five. But my passion has always been health, right? So I'd always end up going into one of the interview rooms at work with a colleague and talking through like, you know, ways that she, they could you know change their diet to help them get pregnant or whatever. It was still really, really um, an interest of mine to help other women with health, right? So when I realized that I could transform my health just by changing what I was eating, changing a few you know things about my lifestyle, I just felt really compelled to go out and help other women who felt the same as me like before, you know, like stuck in that horrible hole where you just think, I must be dying of something horrible, but you know, you know what's going to happen to me? It's that horrible, disempowered place, and that you don't know where to turn or what to do. So I qualified as a primal health coach, so I, that I could, you know, help women reclaim their health too. And I went on to do one-on-one coaching, and I've got two um, group health coaching courses that I do as well. But I got kickback, Brett, from my clients. They were like, "Well, it's all right for you, Helen. You like spending time in the kitchen, but you know, and I don't mind." On a Monday, I start off chopping my veggies and I'm slow cooking my grass-fed meat. But by the time it gets to Friday, right, I'm worn out. I've headed up to here. The kids are getting on my nerves. I can't be bothered anymore. So I just find myself reaching for the takeaway menu and ordering something that I wish I hadn't ordered. So I wash it down with a bottle of wine and I finish off that bar of Cadbury's in the pantry. And then by Saturday, I feel terrible. So what can I do? Because, you know, when you eat this way, everything has to be made from scratch. You know, you can't, like you say, you can't just, you've you got to make your nutty pizza base. You can't just go out and buy one. Well, you can net, right? But at that time, that's that was the feedback that I got. So I said to my clients, I said, well, how about if I made a few things for you? And I think about three people said, oh, I'd buy something from you. So that was it, right? Because I'm a bit of an entrepreneur, always have been all my life, always coming up with little, <laughs> little, little hustles on the side. Um, so... So that's what I started to do. So I just started to bake for people, made their breads, pizzas, cookies, jellies. I actually made a lot more than that to start with until I realized that 
you actually can only make so much food from home <laughs> in your kitchen, you know, to keep it safe for the public. So that was a blessing in disguise because it just really streamlined the range and made us um, be known for, for a certain um, product range, you know. So, so yes, yeah, so I did that at my local farmer's markets, into my uh, local coffee shops, uh, gourmet pizza shops, independent grocers, and it was a hit. And I did that for about 18 months and loved it. And then one day... I was just sitting here, you know, keeping on my clean living journey as well. Just sat here at this very seat, just minding my own business. And this inspiration came to me very clearly, just said, franchise your baking business so you can get the products to the whole of Australia. Because I really knew that I wanted to help more people, but, you know, I'm just one woman. And I didn't want to get down the track of a factory because I just found it really hard. And anyway, I didn't have any money. So it wasn't possible. So I just thought if I can give this business model to another woman who's in a similar boat to me and she wants to be there when her kids get back from school and she'd love to be at home. Like so many women want to come home. Like they're sick of being out in the workforce, you know, they want to be home so they can do all the other stuff that they want to do as well during the day. So that's what I did. And um, Boxing Day 2016, I launched my baking franchise. And to date, 59 incredible women have said yes to this opportunity. That's so it's so exciting. Is it so cool. to women? Can guys do it too? Because there are lots of guys who'd love to be at home with the kids too. Yeah, like for sure. Oh. It seems to be resonating. There's no guys yet, but um, there will be one day. And Fuad from... Uh, quirky cooking has said that the first guy will be called a primal mister <laughs> instead of a primalista, <laughs> which I like a lot. That's Very it. good. That's what you need. <laughs> See, food's on my wavelength. We've got to get some of the guys back into the kitchen as well because that would be a great thing. I love yeah. that idea. So, yeah, let's let's keep it open to everyone, I reckon. I reckon that would be great. And so mm. – um, Tell us a little bit about the range because I love it. I, you know, you know that uh, I'm a bit of a fan of the fruity loaf because uh, you've mm. saved me a couple of times and I've been a bit hungry at one of our events and I've looked around and found you there to come and steal food from. Um, but you've got obviously the choc chip cookies, which everyone loves. We gave them to everyone at the summit and uh, and I think it was some of the base camps as well. They've got the choc chip cookies and sometimes mm. when you go help out packing bags, a couple of them do go missing, I must admit. So they were pretty good. <laughs> And obviously the pizza bases. What else is in the range now? That's so funny. And you know, like that any um, any wellness couch event where Primal Alternative is, there will be cookies in the goodie bag. Like absolutely, because that that seems you know loads of paper and loads of like promotions, and then there's a cookie. You know, and I, and I really enjoyed watching everyone rummage around in their bags at the wellness summit. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. especially on the second day, like the primalistas were going through all the leftover goodie bags to try and find the cookies so they could eat them. It's just so <laughs> well, especially when you're crossing the person next to you pulls out a cookie out of your bag, then you're like. Maybe there's a cookie in That's my mine. bag. Oh, my God. It's a cookie. <laughs> yeah. It was so cool. And when I was on stage at the Wellness Summit, I said you know, to everyone, what, did you like the cookies? And there was a big resounding, yeah. So that was, um, yeah, awesome, awesome feedback. So, yeah, so like what you say, we've got the fruit toast. We've got the chop chip cookies. We've got uh, a different uh, few breads. So we've got a keto range. So we've got our fat and seedy bread, which has just got one gram of carbohydrates per slice, and our fat and seedy pizza bases that I mentioned before so as you can imagine that is just really hitting the spot with all the keto low carb community they're loving that that's great yeah 
huge, huge, huge. And then we've got our zucchini and pumpkin bread, which are um, not bread at all. Like they're made with vegetables, nuts, free-range eggs, a tapioca starch, and, um, yeah, and lots of love. And our traditional pizza bases and the quirky cooking grain-free pastry. So quirky cooking really loved what we're doing because we're all about um, real food and it's very community-centric. You know, it's really supporting families who are wanting to, um, you know, create a little bit of extra income um, and do something that they're really passionate about as well. So Thu had approached me about would we be interested in doing their life-changing dough as a grain-free pastry, which was amazing. So it's such a really cool collaboration. So So you can buy that in our range too. Yeah, yeah, it's really. Growing up, my mum made great sausage rolls. She used to always make homemade sausage rolls. And we made homemade tomato sauce, which I still do. And um, and they were so good, like homemade sausage rolls with homemade tomato sauce you cannot beat. And I've done it a couple of times with a couple of different paleo pastry recipes and never found one that's quite as good as mum's recipe from when I was a kid. So I'm looking forward to getting Foo's grain recipe or his, uh, what I say, pastry recipe and having a crack at the yeah. rolls. That's definitely on my But you haven't tried list. it? I haven't done it yet. It's on my to-do list for the next month or so. I'm definitely I've, – I've been saying it to myself for the last couple of months, and then I saw it again at the summit, and I was like, I've got to do that. It's it's, it's the one that has to be done. So it'll uh, it'll be – you keep an eye <laughs> out on Instagram. It'll be there. There'll be some sausage rolls coming out sometime soon, no doubt. <laughs> do it. Yeah, they've got a, the, the best, I reckon, um, the best sausage roll recipe in their life-changing food book. Oh. So with the with their pastry. We'll send you some pastries. I'll have to use my mum's sausage roll. Her stuffing of her sausage rolls was totally paleo anyway, and nothing beats that, Alan. Like, seriously, I don't know. Like, Foo's going to have to be – got a stiff competition there if he thinks he's going to be better than mum. So just <laughs> putting it out there. I'll probably, have to share that recipe. I think I'll be using mum's stuffing and, and Foo's mm. outer, and I'm mm. sure Foo will be okay with that. He'll support so Loyal. tell us about the prime listers. Um, you know, so there will be people out there listening who think that sounds really great, and and some of them will be thinking that sounds awesome. Someone else can cook this stuff for me, and that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. So tell those people how they can get hold of your stuff. But also others will be thinking, I love cooking, and I'd love to get back in the kitchen. I'd love to be working from home, making an income, making healthy stuff that makes families happy. So tell us about how those people can become a prime lister as well. Sure thing. Love to. Well, you can find everything on our website, which is primalalternative.com. And then there's different tabs. So um, if you want to buy online, you can just head to the online shop tag. And we've got producers all across Australia. Um, so your order will be uh, dispatched to the nearest Primalista to you. So you get the most local and the freshest produce. Um, we've also got a tab of all of our stockists. So if you're more of a bricks and mortar kind of person and you want to go to your local farmer's market or your health food shop, check out the stockists on there. Um, yeah, and if you want to become a Primalista, um, check out the franchise page on the website. And the next step, if you like what you see, I've got a little like a sneak peek video on there of what you get with the recipe and resources. And if you like what you see on there, the next step is to book a Primalista discovery call with me, which is kind of like an interview where we look at um, whether you're a good fit for Primal Alternative and whether this is a good fit for you in your life in terms of your time and the sort of stockists that you um, have nearby you um, that could be potentials. And, so, yeah. So, and Helen, it sounds like such an infomercial when I say this, but it is absolutely true that when you told me how much it costs to become a Primalista, I was 
dumbfounded at how cheap it was. Like it was way cheaper than I thought it was going to be. So is that something? Are you okay with sharing that on the podcast? How cheap it is? Sure, but first of all, tell me how much did you think it was going to be? Oh well, I mean, most of the time you see franchise things, and they're like tens of thousands of dollars. Sometimes they're hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to get a franchise of a company. So. That was kind of what I was thinking in my head when you said it. I was like, oh, yeah. like you know." I remember t- well, speak, speaking to people who were you know, doing franchises for the Paleo Cafe, for example. They were super expensive. Mm. Yeah. And I, like the, the average um, entrance point for a franchise is between 250 and 500 grand. Like, but yeah, this, you, you know, this. <laughs> That's huge. Although it is, it's huge, right? And then even though this is a franchise, it's not a traditional franchise. You know, this is a small-scale domestic operation. So there's no way I could sell franchises at that cost anyway. You know, it's, there's, there's no scalability um, in this model. So, yeah, my franchise is $6,800, and that, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, perfect. So that's great. So everyone who wants to find out about it, go to primalalternative.com. Um, obviously, they can find you on social media. Check out all the amazing pictures of all the amazing food, uh, Instagram at mm. Primal Alternative, Facebook.com forward slash Primal Alternative. And uh, thanks so much for coming on board today, Helen. It's been an absolute pleasure having a chat today. Thank you, Brett. It's been really, really awesome. And, you know, before you go today, I just wanted to thank you for, at the Wellness Summit, one of the highlights of my entire weekend was when you came up to me and you didn't say anything at all but you just put your arm around my shoulders and you just stood there for like about two minutes and then you carried on with what you're doing. And it was so like unusual, like not many people would just come up to you and put their arm around you, not say anything. It just felt so lovely. And I just oh. felt, oh, I just, I, mean, I just loved it. And I've thought about it quite a few times since I came back. So oh, thank you for good. that. Oh, that's, I'm such that's a cool. hugger. I'm just, a, I'm an affectionate If you've ever met my son, Tom, he's exactly the same. We both, we just love a good mm-hmm. hug. So um, he'll give you one when he sees you as well. Oh, thank you. That's really lovely. That actually, I feel a bit emotional hearing that. That's very nice. So Aww. thanks for coming on board, Helen. It's been a pleasure having you on. For everyone else, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Do not join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.